Mondays are for art. This is Eva Talks. Our special guest today is comedian Joanna Hausman. She's Venezuelan-American with 70 million views on her digital series Joanna Rants. She's a correspondent in the Netflix original series Bill Nye Saves the World. And this year she will voice an alien on the Disney series Milo Murphy's Law. She's currently a house performer at the prestigious New York Comedy Theater, the Upright Citizens Brigade. Joanna, welcome to Eva Talks. Joanna, thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation. Tell us, how did you decide to become a comedian? Um, so I think that uh, growing up, I had to live in a bunch of different uh, cultures and countries and situations. And I realized that the way for me to make friends and sort of make my way through a new environment was through making people laugh. So I think it was inculcated as part of my personality. And it wasn't until college that I realized that, you know, it, it, it could be a career. Like, not only could I be a writer, not only could I be an actress, but I could be a comedian, which sort of encompasses all of these things into one career. I think that comedy is an art form. What are your thoughts on this? I think that um, art's main responsibility is to reflect reflect its mise-en-scene, you know, to reflect its culture, to reflect its environment. And I think that comedy is, is a way of doing this. Comedy is a way of reflecting what your reality is, and what your uh, society's reality is. So I... I agree with that 100%. And, you know, as a comedian, I think, you know, when people are like, oh, are you an artist? I think my natural inclination is to be like, no, I mean, I'm a comedian. But comedy is an art form in the sense that it truly, if it's done well, successfully represents the reality of its time. You know, that sometimes in my career, people thought that because I was in the fashion or, you know, media industry, I had to always be dressed to head to toe perfectly. And sometimes you're not in the mood. I imagine sometimes you're not in the mood to be funny. I mean, sometimes I was wearing baggy pants and, you know, <laughs> maybe I didn't want people to see me that day, but people's expectations are you always have to be on. Joanna, are you always yes. funny? Always? <laughs> I'd like to believe that's true, but my fiancé would tell you right now that's not the case. <laughs> Especially in the mornings. Okay, um, good. You're human. I think you're right. Sometimes I got to be off. Sometimes I just want to watch at, like, videos of pets on Facebook. Like, I'm, I'm true. I think that uh, I'd like to believe I, I can funny at all times but at the at the end of the day you know uh, people go through different uh, emotions <laughs> depending on how they're feeling so uh when i'm on stage there's times i'm on stage where i'm like there's nothing i want to do less right now than to like be funny i i want to like be in a corner and maybe like cry today <laughs> but i realized you know sometimes those days are the days where i can be funniest because i think humor and when it's rooted in real emotion is is usually when I personally believe it's it's the most successful. Right. When your emotions are raw, that's when true art mm -hmm. comes about. I mean, the best moments, we are all good, but then it's in those situations that are really uncomfortable or you don't feel your very best that you think, like, who cares, right? What can happen? Nothing Absolutely. can happen. Let's have fun. Let's enjoy this. 
I mean, and, and I think that's probably what happens to you, that it's in those moments that you don't feel like it, that you don't feel you're being good, that maybe you're being extraordinary and that people are uh -huh. having a great time oh, listening I, to and, you. And if you think about it, like think about your own life. Um, what are the stories you tell at the dinner table? that usually get the most laughter or reaction. It's not the stories where everything is going well and everyone is happy. It's usually the times where you lost your luggage in an airport and had to figure out what to wear at a wedding when there was no stores around you. Like those, those moments of like, you know, testing your personality and, and having, you know, emotions at its highest form. Those are the moments that are the most human and real. So, and, and what people don't realize sometimes is that, Comedy isn't just about uh, laughing. It's sort of about reflecting on these moments that perhaps felt like the end of the world when you were going through them. But with uh, some perspective, you're able to pick at what makes life funny. What you're saying is very true. You know, yesterday I was having brunch and one of the stories that people were having the most fun at and much, most shocked is because always at airports, I don't know why I have this vibe that I am married or engaged or my boyfriend is the man in front of me uh, for some particular reason. He doesn't have to be the most handsome or most attractive. Usually it's the opposite. Uh, and I was waiting in the global entry line and suddenly, you know, the immigration officer said, you know, come. And I, you know, gave him my passport and, you know, the ticket they give you. And there was a guy waiting in line. He's like, is he with you? And I was like, are you kidding me? I mean, can you give me a better option? I mean, no offense. And the people at the table were like, okay, maybe you shouldn't say that at the border. But, um, you know, and I usually it's making fun of yourself and being like, and yes, it's, it's when nothing goes right. Like nobody cares the story you wrote that had so many likes and it was incredible. People like it when, okay, I wrote something and then nobody cared about my words. The only comments were how big my hips were, my hair was not done properly, my shoes were from my grandmother's uh, age, and you know, usually it's, it's what really works, right? Uh, so what has been your biggest inspiration? Um, I, I think that it, that's such a difficult question to answer uh, because I think I get inspiration from so many different places, um, but I think mostly, as we were talking about, I think you get, I get inspiration from, I think, moments of contrast and moments of, like, difficulty, um, moments of, you know, uh, of introspection of, like, what am I? Who am I? Uh, what do I represent? What country do I feel like I'm most from? Um, so I think it's, like, the, the lack of identity or searching for identity has been the biggest inspiration to me. Um, and then at the same time, you know, simultaneously, I, I find inspiration from funny people. So, um, uh, so other comedians, I get a lot of inspiration from them and the way that they're able to successfully tell their stories. But I think most of my inspiration comes from, uh, I guess, figuring out who I am, which I think is the case for most comedians. 
Well, talking about identity, you know, one of the hardest things, and probably this happens to you, I mean, I was born in Spain, I was raised in Miami, lived in Mexico, then went back to Mexico, and you were born in the UK, then, you know, you're, you're Venezuelan, and, you know, trying to explain, I mean, when the, when the Uber or Lyft drivers ask you, where are you from? You're like, oh my God, how much time do you have? You have to edit your answer and, and do it fast. Uh-huh. I mean, Many of this has worked in your favor, obviously, because you have identified yourself as a comedian that makes you know fun of you know the differences culturally speaking, uh, the quadrillion terms that exist in Latin America for saying different things. I mean, I remember doing the dictionary, creating the dictionary for Vogue, and deciding what word we were going to use to define bra or to define classes and uh, because in every country they had mostly different terminology so how does this work for you and how much does it inspire you and gives you this richness well i think that um uh what you just explained is something that a lot of people go through in this generation it's this idea of like you know we're supposed to synthesize our identity in one package but more and more people are becoming more diverse and more complex and Uh, we're still using the vernacular and vocabulary of <laughs> of that one nice word that fits into like a nice bow. Um, the reason why I find you know so much inspiration also looking at you know the the, the diversity in 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 our culture is because I think people are are searching to show the differences and the similarities that they experience with people that they are, are usually clumped in with. So the word Latino, you know, when I moved to the States that I didn't really know what that meant. I didn't think I was Latina. I thought I was Venezuelan or a Venezuelan American. I didn't know that the word Latino encompassed me as well. And I think a lot of people go through this, but um, I, I, at the same, there's nothing wrong with being Latina. I think that now I embrace that word, but at the same time, I think it's important to diverse, uh, to embrace its diversity, to embrace the, the idiosyncrasies of every single culture that is, it is encapsulated into that word. So it's kind of like how we see ourselves. Like when I'm in a, when I'm in the uh, Uber and I'm trying to explain to the guy where I'm from, like, I want him to understand like everywhere I'm from and and how different my country is from what he think like he probably thinks I'm from Mexico because I said Venezuela and they think it's basically all the same thing. So I was just in an Uber in, in, in London where I was working and the guy asked me where I was from and I wanted to explain to him that I'm from Venezuela and Venezuela is a different place uh, from Argentina because he thought it was the same place. And then I want to explain that I'm from New York and yes, that I'm American, but like I feel more New Yorker than like, you know, whatever middle America is. Unfortunately, I've never been to middle America. I want to explain the idiosyncrasies of my own identity with more than just one word. But the question, where are you from? It's just, you and you normally answer with one word, the diversity of their identity and the complexity of their identity. And that's sort of where I've been able to uh, create a lot of com uh, comedy. You know, you just reminded me of a couple of things. One, me sitting in in front of my first, you know, test during high school and with this multiple choice question of who are you? And I remember white, black, Latino, US, Hispanic, and I was so confused for the first time in my life. I didn't know where I was from. And I was so embarrassed to ask, like, what am I? Like, I don't understand. Latino for me was Latin America. You're so like... It's, it was so awkward. I mean, this was a couple of gazillion 
years ago, of course, right? And you know, then when you when you give the answer of where you're from and you start to explain to people because you're proud of the heritage, you're proud of, you know, what life has given you, how it has enriched you, then there are some people that think that you're bragging. Like, you know, I lived in Mexico or I'm from Spain. And you know, you're like, okay. And then funny thing is, because my name is Eva Hughes, then most people think that I'm from Spain, I'm married to an American, which is not true. And, you know, then they've told me in the supermarket, most in the supermarket, that I'm from Argentina, which I find is fantastic because Argentinian women are so beautiful and so thin and so, I mean, <laughs> amazing that I feel like, okay, great. So, you know, I think it's what makes us so interesting and what makes us so, you know, different. And and sometimes, yeah, it's complicated. We'll see if somebody you know, finds a way to describe us. Um, which was the first joke that you wrote? Well, I don't know if it's the first one that I wrote, but when I was, I think, four years old, I went to Disney and I went on a ride that had, like, Snow White in it and the, the like, freaky witch that, like, offers <laughs> her the apple. And uh, my mom tells me this story. I have, like, a very vague memory of it, but she tells me that I was, like, really quiet, all day after that ride, I looked kind of like sad. And then we got to the hotel and my mom's like, you got to explain to me what's going on. And I was just like, I just am so upset because I love Snow White. And then I was like, I'm so upset because I just realized that they, my hair, my hero is an idiot. Like, <laughs> why would she accept an apple from someone that clearly looks right. like she's like not the friendliest person? Mm-hmm. Like truly, what, what, what? So I was just... And then I imitated like how dumb Snow White was, <laughs> and that for me was a was like the moment my mom says that like she knew I was going to be a performer because I just like performed that scene for like an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's funny oh, you man. say that because I think that Sleeping Beauty you never know the, the the rest of the story. I mean, the prince comes and he kisses her and she's awake and she lives, and but they never tell you like what happened. Did they get along? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm always curious to know, like, I mean, what happened. It's very traumatic, you know, all those, uh, yeah, I agree with you 100%, like, what's going on? But probably yeah, you, you all cut of, in all you. Of the, all, of the, all of the ways that they end is, like, the guy comes, kisses her, and everything's fine, which is, as we know, not true in real life. Uh, not true, <laughs> but, you know, if it's true, then let it happen. Um, when did you get your first break, big break in comedy? I, I I think that uh, I, I I would say the opportunity to work with Flama, which was uh, Univision's bilingual digital channel. I had done a stand-up routine that my mom put on the internet without asking me. I was just like, do not put that online. And then she decided to go against my wishes and publish it on YouTube. But thanks to that, um, someone saw the video and gave me a job, basically, uh, at, at this company. And at the beginning, I was just a producer, but then I asked my boss to give me the keys to the studio after work one day, and I sort of started creating uh, videos. And I think my biggest break was the fact that those videos, I mean, a lot of people saw themselves reflected in it, and a lot of them uh, went viral. So I guess my biggest break is is thanks to the internet and thanks to <laughs> so many people that saw themselves reflected in what I was doing. And then from that, I've been able to really, you know, 
work on a lot of projects that I'm really, really excited to be a part of. Um, so I'm always very thankful to the people that shared, that watched, that commented, because without them, like I, I wouldn't be here. I would love to be your friend because having somebody like you come over to my house, you will make me laugh. I mean, the, laughter is the best medicine. I mean, you're having a bad day. Somebody broke up with you. Um, you know, your project didn't go as planned. What is, there's nothing better than medicine, as medicine to have laughter in your life. And how does it make you feel when you're on stage, when, you know, you're writing your comedy, you're sharing it, and you get that reaction from people? Um, I always say that, you know, when I'm on stage and I get laughter, it, it almost feels like fuel, um, Like I can be incredibly nervous and I suffer from stage fright. People don't know that, but I get really nervous. before. First laugh, it is, it is, it's like medicine. It's the weirdest feeling, but it's almost like I'm getting injected with like something that makes me have superpowers <laughs> and that I'm, I'm no longer nervous. I no longer feel vulnerable. Like I feel vulnerable, but I no longer feel vulnerable in a negative way. Like I feel like, I could do anything. Um, and it feels, it feels so wonderful, which is something that, you know, comedians we have, we, we're lucky to have because, you know, other performers uh, that perhaps do more dramatic uh, pieces, they don't have that immediate uh, like conversation almost with the audience. Because the moment I feel I hear a laugh, I, I know what's working. I know what's not working. And so it, It's just this it, it feels like a conversation with the audience right so you have stage right nobody knows that nobody could tell you have it what happens when i mean you get a, the first laugh you know you're on what happens when you are there and nothing happens no response that happens a lot <laughs> <laughs> uh i i have to i like go into hyperdrive like i i have to figure out what type of audience it is so I have to improvise and I have to figure out which joke might work which way of saying the joke might work and I have to get to know the audience like and I have to sort of test test the ground but you know I used to get devastated when something when a show wouldn't go well and I wouldn't go back on stage for a couple of weeks because I was just like traumatized and then I realized every single person bombs like every single comedian the best comedians in the world the best performers in the world have had terrible Uh, shows and have had terrible performances so I just see it as part of the job it's kind of like I don't know when a, a when a lawyer loses a case and they realize what could have been done differently uh, it, same with performers like I learn every single time like what could be better but it is literally the worst feeling in the world when you <laughs> go up there you tell a joke and you get like one laugh and you're like oh no this is good This is going to be bumpy. But, you know, when I've given conferences or speeches and I have the audience and they're looking at me so intensely, but they are having no reaction whatsoever. And it's so frightening because you don't know what's happening. I mean, I'm not there to make them laugh, but I'm not getting any reaction. I'm thinking, oh, my God, this is not going well. I better keep going. It doesn't matter. Focus on it. And later on, people walk up to me and say, It's so inspiring. It was amazing. It was incredible. And I want to tell them, you know, maybe you should have given me a hint when you were sitting there quietly observing. I mean, people, you make a difference in people, even if you don't realize it. Um, how do you define success? Uh -huh. How do you define success? Um, 
think that changes every day. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine. Uh, because I used, I used to say, you know, I used to say, oh, like when my content, uh, like this is personal, but like when my content uh, uh, gets to the most people or when, you know, I get the most laughs and I just, I've started realizing that that doesn't feel as much like success to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think, I mean, recently I felt a lot of success uh, because, for example, I did I did something, I did a piece of, uh, did a video that I, I've never really done that type of video before. And um, I, I think I did it successfully. I was proud of it when I saw it. And then everything else, like how people reacted to it, if it got the most shares and views, like that, that genuinely did not make me feel more or less successful. So I think, I don't know, I think success is sort of, doing something that you fear and uh and then looking back and being thankful that you did it do you believe in luck or in destiny uh there's a saying that says uh the harder i work the luckier i get (laughs) (laughs) so i believe in luck in that sense that the more you work the more you get it Uh, right not not as much destiny in my opinion but i do think that you know if you play your cards right you get luckier how does it feel to be a woman in, in the industry that you're in, especially at this time that we're living? I think growing up as a kid, um, I, I, I was looking back at some of my journals when I was like in second and third grade, and I realized that, yes, there were amazing female comedians out there, but, you know, there they weren't as there weren't as many as there were male. Quite honestly, they were pretty, uh, pretty much all male <laughs> and <laughs> movies were pretty much driven by the male perspective and the comedy videos that I watched and the comedy movies that I, you know, fell in love with were very few of them had, uh, uh, you know, the females that I wanted to become. So I, I saw this like little quiz I took in third grade of like, who is your biggest, like, who do you want to become when you grow up? And I said, uh, Adam Sandler, <laughs> which one, that's not the case anymore. I'm not a huge fan of Adam Sandler anymore, but two, I, I, I realized that there weren't a lot of women. Um, there were, There weren't as many as I think that I needed, uh, but I was able to, you know, stumble upon uh, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler when I was a teenager and sort of realized that I could do it too. Because I remember growing up, many of my guy friends told me like, you're not funny, you're a girl. Like that's literally, I heard that every year of my life. I will never forget it. And at home, adamant about it, I started to believe it. Um, And so I think now I'm so excited to be part of a generation of, of, of comedians and of women that, you know, we are, we are really fighting for the spotlight and we're helping each other to succeed. And I, I think that the generation that is growing up now have many more heroes too. Um, so I think, I think I'm incredibly excited and to be part of this and yes, we still have um, some roadblocks to get through, but you know, I think that we are changing we're changing the landscape. I've always wondered, like I can imagine a big brainstorming meeting between fellow comedians. I mean, that must be fun. Am I correct? Oh yeah. <laughs> it is. My fiance uh, has to like, after shows, me and my friends, me and my you know comedian friends, we usually go to a bar and just like talk and riff. 
and my fiance always goes and he's like, this is like the second show. I just sit here silently and just like watch <laughs> you guys go. Um, we're all, yeah, we, we have a, I think we have a different way of communicating and of expressing ourselves with each other. Um, and, and we're, we always kind of have to be on with each other, but <laughs> I have to say it's also nice to turn it off. <laughs> right. I imagine. Um, uh, but it's, it's so fun. It, it truly is just, it is, it is like a, it's like a, a type of food for me. It really <laughs> is food for the soul. Um, do you consider yourself a writer more than a performer or a comic? Um, I, I, I think I, it changes every day. Um, I, I just, for me, I, you know, sometimes I love performing what other people have put on the page and, and, and giving it my own spin and, and figuring out how my version of that character would be. Having said that, and figure out how to write a script. It's kind of like creating a, like fixing a puzzle. Um, I, it changes day to day. There's some days where I'm like, I really, I just don't want to write. I just want to perform. I want to get a script and figure it out. And then there's some other days where I'm like, I just want to express my point of view or write this joke from my voice. So I'd say that if I didn't, I love having both because if I didn't have one or the other, I think I would feel incomplete. How does it feel working with a legend like Bill Nye? Well, you know, when I, what, the day I had to meet him, I was freaking out and I was like, I don't know how to talk to him. Like, I, like how do you, how do you shake hands with Bill Nye? How, how? I don't, like, truly, I have no idea how I'm going to be a human in front of him. But then, you know, you realize that they're humans too. <laughs> and, um, it, it's it's truly wonderful to get to know someone on a personal level that you like admire so much right um but it's been, it's been sometimes i have to pinch myself like i i saw him recently here in new york and like we were talking and i was like oh my god i'm, I'm talking to bill nye about how the subway was like late like what <laughs> like, what is my life so your life is great enjoy it <laughs> no it's it must be very rewarding <laughs> So talking about, you know, you know, Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, Snow White, you're going to be voicing a Disney character. <laughs> Tell yes, me a little bit more about that. It was so <laughs> funny because it, the character, I like when I auditioned, I gave two different takes of the character. So I did one voice that was like, it was like this and really crazy and like animated. And then as a, as a just like, well, just in case they don't want me for this character, I'll give them my own normal voice. And then I sent over my normal voice. And when I got it and I went into the studio to record, I just assumed they wanted the crazy voice I gave them um, because it was for, you know, the character was for this alien commander. And I'm like, oh, my God, an alien commander. Like, that's got to be a weird, quirky voice. And then they were like, no, we don't want a weird, quirky voice. We want just like your voice. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, we've gotten to a point where people want just some normal sounding neurotic girl. To <laughs> to be the voice of an alien commander. And I just found that to be so great. Like, I, you know, I wish there were more voices like mine <laughs> on these amazing, maybe more more kids would be like, oh, I want to, you know, I want to voice characters. I, I can just be myself. So right. it was really cool. I've seen you base some of your content around your mother. Uh, she must be hilarious. Oh my God, she's so funny. Like, <laughs> she's funny without even trying. She's just like, I can't even sometimes with her. I don't think she realizes how funny she is. 
until I take my phone out and I start recording her without noticing. Oh, God. <laughs> that would get me to trouble. <laughs> so, look, you have amazing genes. It hasn't me into trouble yet. Not yet? Okay. So, your father is a world-renowned economist. Your mother's a journalist. Super funny. Your inspiration. Your brother and yourself, you're very artistic. You're hilarious. Okay. Please tell me that there's somewhere along the family tree that something went wrong. There has to be a generation that you guys didn't do anything. It's very weird. important. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we were a disappointment to my father. But no, apparently apparently they're proud of us, so it's fine. But, <laughs> uh, I think that um, actually, I was talking to my dad about this. I, I, we have like this like online family tree because... At least the houseman side of the family, my um, my father's side, you know, after after World War II, um, my grandfather's family went everywhere. There's some in Canada, there's some in the States, there's some in Brazil. I mean, it's everywhere. So we started looking at what other people were doing, and a lot of them are artistic. A lot of them are writers. A lot of them are photographers. A lot of them. So, you know, my grandfather, I don't think he had the choice of following a, an art form. He had to sort of provide for his family when he arrived to Venezuela. But I have a feeling it's got to be genetic because my sister is also an art curator. So there's got to be something there because I don't think that my parents were, I mean, they always loved art, but that they didn't inculcate us with like, you got to be an artist. And then us three came out artistic. So, um, but at the same time, I think my parents, although they followed some more traditional career paths, they're also very creative uh, in the way that they do their work. So creates is something that I saw at home all the time. Right. If you were to do a stand-up kid about me, how would it be? Well, I'd probably talk about, like, <laughs> everything that you are. I mean, you're this super complex person. Spain, Mexico, Miami. I mean, I'd probably imitate you, too. I'd have to, like, figure out your accent, but I'd probably start imitating your you, accent. Please. I can't pinpoint, like, what it is. Well, you know, <laughs> you can you can imitate my accent. Um I'm also a little bit of Cuban because, you know, and, and Venezuelan. I mean, I'm a bit of everything because I've grew, I've grew up with these influences that are just amazing. Uh, when you pick up my accent, uh, let me know and uh, we'll meet again and maybe we'll do this get together. I, I can't imitate you. I'm not that funny. I don't have that capacity. But... Um, I think but, you might be able to. We'll give it yeah, a try. Yeah, we'll give I it a try. I, no, you know what? We won't even put it out until we're sure that it's good. Or maybe we'll do it at a bar. You know, in my neighborhood, there are a couple of bars. Maybe we can go there and, you know, the audience won't care because their expectations are going to be like, who are these two women? Like, what are they doing? You know, so the expectations are zero. Whatever exactly. we do, we'll it's going to be amazing. So we'll do it there. So, you know, I believe okay, in the... That sounds good. That sounds good. So it's, it's, it's a date. It's set. So I believe in the idea that, yes, you can. You can do anything that you put your mind to, even if you don't know what that is, that you want to be successful, you want to achieve something, you want to create an impact, you want to help people, you want to be an, you know, an influence to others. What is your idea of, yes, you can? Well, you know, I'm an, I'm an improv uh, performer and I do a lot of improvisation here. And the number one rule of improv is saying yes and. So it's not just saying yes, it's saying yes and, like an adding to it. And like CrossFit for nerds, like we, we get really upset and it sort of becomes like our mantra. Um, but I think that 
the idea of yes, you can is, is also the idea of yes and. So it's not just saying yes, it's also building upon that yes and seeing where else it takes you and being open to a, the unknown and just keep keep on following it with while adding to it. So that's sort of like literally what I what I started doing at like 22 is so I, I, once I started like doing more improv was not only saying yes, but saying yes. And, um, and it's led me to some really long nights out <laughs> right? <laughs> when I should have been in bed at home, but it's also, uh, led me to projects and, and creating videos that, you know, I, I might've been afraid to really hit the publish button on, but I just said yes. And I'm going to, I'm going to promote it and I'm going to make more and I'm going to do this other video that's linked to that, but maybe takes it a step further. So that's sort of my, my outlook in, in a lot of the things that I do, which, which I, I should probably stop doing uh, after shows at the bar, but I will continue doing at my work. <laughs> well, I think Joanna, that you are an inspiration. You make people laugh. That, that is the best medicine. There are a lot of people that are probably watching that are going through difficult moments in their lives. And for one brief moment that you bring them that laughter, that spirit, that energy, you're doing amazing work and you're changing people's lives in a way. When I used to say that about, you know, magazines that you never knew how you could influence somebody through your work, even if for three minutes, somebody would open a magazine or look at our website or look at the social media and bring a smile to their faces or take away from their current pressures then we were making a huge difference. And that's all that matters. And you're doing that with your work. So congratulations, Joanna. Thank you for being part of the podcast. And uh, let me know when you're in town so we can go to that bar and we won't tell anyone, uh, just in case. <laughs> that sounds good. And thank you so much for having me and for those wonderful words. Because sometimes when you're alone writing a script, you don't realize that other people resonate so much with it. So I appreciate it. And it's, it will energize me to work on the script I have to work on today. Gracias, Joanna. Mm -hmm.